0: It is Friday and it's another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. It's a Friday, which means it's a mailbag Friday. We're going to have some questions to answer. I'm going to go over this postseason format. I really don't have a big issue with it, but apparently everybody else does. And lastly, my takeaways on Arcia and the locker room dispute between him and the media and what it all boiled down to in Philadelphia. That's all coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. You can catch us on wherever you get your podcast. That can be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and you can get us on YouTube. We got to continue to keep subscribing, share this podcast, let other people know. I'm going to continue to do my best to make that page as best as it possibly can be. For those podcasts, leave a review, rate this podcast, let us know how we're doing, because again, we really want to make this thing as good as it can be. If this is your first ever episode tuning into Lockdown Royals, of course, welcome in. I'm sure you're a diehard Royals fan and you want to know everything about the boys in blue. Well, I am your guy for that. I'm a diehard Royals fan like yourself. I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB, so I stay pretty busy Uh, With my daily life involving sports. But when you come to this podcast, when you listen to this podcast, we are going to talk about the Kansas City Royals. Doesn't matter if they're 56 and 106 or they're 106 and 56. We're going to give you the best possible content that you can find out there. And we're going to make it easier to find this podcast. We want to make sure that when you're clicking on YouTube, when you're going to that search engine, we're going to pop up. My face is going to be everywhere when you're trying to find Royals content. So you like this podcast, leave a review, subscribe, share it with friends because again, we really want to make this thing big. We want to make sure by opening day 2024, we are the most watched Royals podcast out there. Today's episode though is brought to you by Sleeper. I'm going to have some some picks, some takes for Sunday's game, game 1 of the American League Championship Series between the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers, but we'll get to that in about 10 to 15 minutes or so. But it is Friday. I love having Friday episodes. I love answering the questions that are sent my way on a mailbag Friday because you guys always have great questions. I hope that I give you good answers. Uh, When you go about this, when we are going through these questions, you can shoot them over to me directly through Twitter. You can leave them on YouTube. Uh, or you can direct message me. My, my direct message inbox is open. So if you don't really want your question to be public, not to worry. I will get to that. We actually had a couple of DMs uh, for questions today. So I'm going to get to that and make sure that we have everything covered on this Mailbag Friday segment. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go to question number one. This is from Weather2020. He says, when is this team realistically next in the playoffs, considering it does things very well? I'd say 2026 could be way longer. The key thing in that for me is if everything goes well, uh, if the Royals follow a very strict you know, rebuild timeline, I really do believe with the right moves, the right draft picks, the Royals can be seriously competing in 2025. I'm not going to say 2026, because that would probably mean there's some more slip ups. I mean, this is a full year they're about to have. I'd imagine they're going to take a step forward. You're going to have some more guys that are polished. Uh, You're hopefully finding more talent for the bullpen and slowly building a rotation. You you have all that go well and a lot of your draft picks hit. They can compete by 2025. I mean, I look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. I look at the Rangers and I look at the Orioles. They lost 100 plus games two years ago. So it shouldn't take. And the Royals front office shouldn't convince you that it will take three to four years. This can be a one-to-two-year process, and that's if everything goes well, which is, of course, a very big if. The second question we have is from Jackson. If you could take one player from the old rebuild in 2018-2020 to have panned out and placed them on the team today, who would it have been? It's a great question. Um, I would probably say it would have benefited this team a lot to have, like, the 2020-2019 Brad Keller that really would have been a great piece for the rotation because now you're talking about three guys that are under club control and Reagan, Singer, and Keller. I don't know, though. I feel like still the ceiling was kind of low. Uh, Jorge Soler, if you want to count that his one year was good enough, I wish that he would have been the DH for the Royals for a long time. I really did not like it when the Royals dumped him off. I didn't see him as, well, he's terrible, just get something to return. I don't even believe – I think it was Casey Kalich or Casey – Kasich, I don't even know what his name was because he never really made it that far in the the Royals minor league system. I don't believe he's playing pro ball anymore. That felt like a really bad trade at the time. And we've seen how good Jorge Soler has been since leaving Kansas City. So he's somebody I really wish would have panned out. Uh, Maybe the last guy, shoot. I mean, the way Ryan O'Hearn looked, that certainly would be great for this lineup. But we know that Kansas City gave him ample amount of opportunities. I'd probably lean towards Keller or Solaire. Just the longevity wasn't really there. Uh, that was certainly frustrating to see. I wish Nikki Lopez would have been more of a long-term fit, but we just never really saw it. So I think those are my three answers there, if you are okay with those, Jackson. And, and the third one we got here is from Matt Vernon. He says, do we have any chances as fans to see an international free agent on the 2024 Royals? Certainly possible. We discussed this yesterday, and Matt, you had a, a great find. Uh, Yesterday on Twitter and shot it over to a couple of us Royals podcasters. It just feels unlikely because we don't really know where the Royals are scouting. They were in Japan, but when you're going after the superstars in Japan, you're going to have to compete money-wise with the Yankees, with the Mets, with the Phillies, with the Dodgers, all those teams. And the Royals are not in the same stratosphere as those franchises. To me, it it just kind of feels like we're not going to see it just yet. Because the Royals don't have a big presence anywhere. They, they don't have a big presence in going after Cuban-born players. They don't have a big presence in going after Japanese-born players. Uh, they usually try to have a big influence in the Dominican Republic, a little bit in Venezuela, a little bit in Puerto Rico. We just really haven't seen it that that much. So I would say right now, no. I'm hoping things change because I think there's a lot of talented guys overseas that could impact this team immediately. I got to see it first, though. Right now, though, my answer is going to be no. The fourth question we have here comes from Ryan. Who is on the current roster do you feel is most likely to be traded this offseason? I think we've discussed this in the podcast before. My first pick would be Edward Olivares. He feels like he's in no man's land. Uh, the Royals have a pretty deep outfield. And when J.J. Bacolo had his season in review press conference, he didn't really bring up Edward Olivares as a long-term fit. And I feel like a lot of teams could use Edward Olivares. And the Royals need pitching. So to me, it's not really close. He, to me, is number one on that list. Number two, I would maybe say, oh, they they could flip Jordan Lyles. It doesn't have a lot of value, but they did the same thing with Mike Miner. An extra year of control. He's an innings eater for somebody else out of the bullpen. Could go that route. Maybe it's Salvador Perez, but it just feels unlikely. I know the White Sox are interested. Don't see the Royals trade him to a rival. But an easy pick for me would be Edward Olivares. And the last question we have from the direct message inbox comes from 150 guacamole. He always has great questions in this segment. And this actually comes from our good buddies over at 1 Royal Way. Uh it's a very fascinating question. I like it and it's fun to to play around with. And it says, "Your JJ Piccolo and John Sherman gives you $5 to do as much as you like for the following uh off season or for the upcoming off season, excuse me. What are you doing with the $5?" So there's a lot of options. Here you can go with Looks like $3 to spend on market value plus 10% for Aaron Nola, $3 to extend Bobby Wood Jr. to a 14-year $350 million deal, $2 to sign Cody Bellinger, $1 to sign Josh Hader, $0.50 cents to sign a Chapman, $1 to hire more scouts, cross-checkers, $1 to invest in more analysts and techs, $1 to marginally increase 2024 farm production across the board, $1 to get Gavin Cross on track for 2025, $1 for three reclamation pitching projects and $1. Dollar to trade Salvi and $20 million for a former top-winner pitcher and two Dominican Summer League lottery tickets. I am going to say, because I said Bobby Witt Jr. is the, the priority for me, $3 to extend Bobby Witt Jr. I'm not going to go after Bellinger, Hayter, or Chapman because I feel like you really can do a little bit more with the extra $2 I have. I would probably add a dollar to marginally increase the 2024 farm production across the board because the Royals need a lot of help. And that aspect, which leaves me one more dollar. I would probably then say $1 for three reclamation pitching prospects because you saw that with Chapman and what it returned to you and Cole Reagan's and Rony Cabrera. So that's how I spend my $5. Prioritize Bobby Wood Jr., a dollar to see production jump across the board in the farm system, and then try to bolster your farm system by fixing three reclamation projects. So really do like that question from One Royal Way. They do fantastic work over there. Shout out to Joel Penfield, Josh Kaiser, uh, and of course, Jordan Foote. And shout-out to 150 Guacamole to send me that question because that is a fantastic one for this offseason. Okay, that wraps up our mailbag segment. We still got two more segments to go, though, and the next thing we're going to talk about is the postseason format. I don't have a big issue with it, but a lot of people out there do have an issue with 100-win teams Going home early. We're going to dive into that next on Lockdown Royals. You are tuning in Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J-1-5. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to today's title sponsor in Sleeper. No games on tonight. We'll have game one of the American League Championship Series on Sunday. So that is where I'm going to make my picks. It's going to be Justin Verlander on the bump for the Strohs. No starter announced yet for the Texas Rangers, so I'm going to hold off on making any picks for the rotation in Texas. But I am going to go with Justin Verlander. That pick was right for me when I uh, made some predictions about his start against Minnesota at Minute Maid Park. He's going to be right back at Minute Maid Park. I think is going to have a very good game. He's one of the best postseason pitchers, still active out there in Major League Baseball. So I'll take JV to go more than five innings in this start and have more than six strikeouts. So kind of setting that line at five and a half for strikeouts and then just get one out in the sixth inning and that pick should hit for my fantasy team. The second one I have here, I am going to pick a Texas Ranger and I'm going to pick Adoles Garcia, who really had the nail in the coffin on the Baltimore Orioles season. I will take him to have at least one hit and one walk in this game. He's a power-filled bat. Uh, He is one of the most feared hitters in that lineup. And I'd imagine JV and the Astros bullpen are going to be very careful with him in game one. But I'd imagine he gets on base at least twice. Now, with Sleeper, the MLB playoffs are in full swing, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to double your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is with studs like Ronald Lacuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Shohei Ohtani. Pick more or less on stats for these stars, like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times the payout on Sleeper. And I actually was wrong because I I said double your cash. You can 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. So get your picks right, and you could win big with Sleeper. The postseason format is a big talking point right now uh, because the Atlanta Braves, who had 104 wins, are now sitting on the couch. You have the L.A. Dodgers, who were swept by the 84-win Diamondbacks. They're at home sitting on the couch. The Baltimore Orioles, who had one of the most impressive seasons of anybody in Major League Baseball, are now sitting at home on the couch as they watch the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers compete to go to the World Series. So I've seen all this talk of, you know, this is unfair to the 100-win teams. They have to sit out and not play for three to four days, maybe even a week, while these other teams, these wild card teams, get some reps in. And that to me felt light. Uh, I don't see why you need to cater more to the 100 win teams. Now, listen here. I'm not saying that it's a flawless format. Like if the Royals won 100 plus and they were swept out of the playoffs, I'd probably have some gripe about it. But from. An unbiased point of view i've got no dog in this fight i've got no dog in the postseason i just enjoy watching the games but the 100 win teams use a great regular season one to get that buy they don't have to play somebody in a wild card series they get an automatic buy which puts them three wins away from a championship series appearance two of those three come at home So there's the advantage you have. I saw people arguing last night, well, you know, it's unfair to Atlanta because they win 104 games and they're not really benefiting from anything. That just showed that, you know, the Phillies can skate by with 90 wins and then beat them in the postseason. The best thing about the postseason is that it's chaotic. The best thing about March Madness is it's chaotic. If we just had one seeds all the time in in the national championship, wouldn't you get bored? It's the same teams over and over again. I love college football. Love college football. To me, they have the most boring format of any of the major sports. Because you look at the last, what, 15 winners? Go back to 2009. There have been seven different winners. That's 14 years. Half of them have been different winners. You had Alabama winning six in that time frame. You had Clemson winning a couple times. Georgia's won back-to-back. And they're going to be there again. Ohio State's 1-1. Florida State's 1-1. You don't really get to see some of the teams that if you had a bigger format, which of course they're expanding, but you have a bigger format, more chances for upsets. I think college football kind of has a boring format. Baseball, March Madness, even the NFL for that matter. It's a fun format. Now, the NFL usually has the top teams in the end. Usually had the one versus the one on the AFC and NFC side, the one versus the two. But sometimes that can be boring. You know, I get it that you want to have the best possible matchups. Are the Phillies going to steamroll the D-backs? On paper, yes, the way they've been playing. But we also thought that about the Brewers. We thought that about the Dodgers. Chaos, to me, is the most fun thing about this. And I'm also not going to trash Arizona for being an 84-win team. Yeah, they lifted into the postseason. They got hot. I've seen that argument where, well, it just rewards whoever gets hot for two weeks. That's a part of the postseason. The Diamondbacks had to play four road games against the Brewers and the Dodgers before they could even go play a home game. That's a big-time advantage to the higher seed. And the wild card series, it's a best-of-three. All three are for the higher seed. They're all at home. That, to me, is an advantage. And if you're a 100-win team and you get a bye, you get a rest up. It's a long season. Can you argue to shorten the major league season? Sure. I'm fine with that going from 162 to 150 or 145. But the postseason format feels okay to me. Why should we just cater everything to the 100-win team when it should be kind of a crapshoot? Who gets hot? Who can perform in these moments? That makes it more difficult and, I think, more exhilarating. If we just wanted the 100-win teams to be catered to, okay, screw the postseason. Go back to the old days. Take the two best teams from the American League, put them in the championship series. Two best from the National League, put them in the championship series. The winner of that game meets in the World Series. Let's throw out everything we want about postseason baseball. And also, I I saw some arguments of, well, now it just incentivizes teams to go, well, we don't need to go all the way out in the regular season. As long as we make it, we should be fine. Not necessarily. Texas, Philly, and Houston all are top eight in payroll. They all spent more money than the Braves. Than the Orioles, and the Dodgers, who are all sitting at home. To me, it feels like the teams that are left are the teams that are most deserving. Arizona's the the outlier here, but you kind of get a great pool of teams here. You get the team that basically gave the middle finger to their rebuild. In Texas, they said, we're done losing. We're going to spend boatloads of money to build our roster. Check. They got it done. You've got Houston, who's the villain, who's been there before. You want somebody to root against? You have that in Houston. The National League side, Philly is much must-watch TV. They're all over Twitter. They're all over Instagram, TikTok. Uh, They're chirping with Atlanta. Their fan base is passionate. It's fun. It's loud. It's chaotic. Philly is fun to watch in the postseason. And then Arizona is this amazing underdog that shouldn't be here but is. I prefer that over the same teams over and over again. You know how boring baseball would be if you spent the entire season and then it was Braves and Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. And this year would have been what? The Orioles and the Astros? Cool for the Orioles, but I feel like you have to earn it in some way. You are getting catered to a little bit by getting the bye. I mean, I know there were stories coming out of, well, the bye actually favors a team that gets to play, gets to warm up. They also have to win that series. Their players could get worn down. Somebody could get banged up, and then they're out for the divisional series. Well, the top seed, just like in the NFL, they get to rest a little bit. They get to prep their team. They get two home games to open up that series. I just don't feel like it needs to be toyed with a little bit. No, it it is unfortunate for Atlanta. It really is because they had to play Philly in the divisional series. Maybe you can shake up the format a little bit on that end. But Atlanta won 104 games. They were better than Philly in the regular season. And they got two home games to begin that series. Philly had to go through Miami. You could argue that that was kind of a gimme. You know, Atlanta would have dominated Miami, too. And then it was kind of like their exhibition game. It's still postseason baseball. Teams can get the best of you. You saw that with Arizona. It's not as easy to just advance in the wild card series. I'm just not sure why some people are up in arms about, well, I'm so mad that the 104-win Braves are going home now because they deserve to be in the championship series. I don't think they did because they lost fair and square to the Philadelphia Phillies. If they're hotter at that point in time, they're hotter. You have to give them the, the praise. You have to give them the tip of the cap. Look at Houston. Houston had a bye. They beat Minnesota. They moved on. We can't just pick and choose what's right and what's wrong. Either keep this format, or for people that really hate the format, then I hope you just like it when it's the two top teams from the AL and the NL play each other in championship series and then go to the World Series. Other than that, I got no thoughts. I know I've been ranting a little bit, but I had to get that off my chest. I like the teams that are left. These teams have earned it. It's unfortunate for the Braves, who were so good in the regular season, but that's the point of the postseason. You got to beat teams. It's a crapshoot. You got to get hot. And clearly, the Phillies were hotter than the Braves. We're not going to stop talking about the Braves and the Phillies because there's a big thing we need to address about players in the locker room and the media that is allowed in. I've got experience of being in a locker room, and I'm going to tell you my thoughts on it next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at johnyj underscore one And be sure to hit that subscribe button as, as you're watching this video. After you watch this video, doesn't really matter. This is the podcast you want to listen to for all things Royals, news, opinions, thoughts. We got you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the other title sponsor today in FanDuel. October baseball is back and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash on right now and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. There's been this huge controversy uh, going around baseball and what is allowed and what isn't allowed in the locker room. And I've been kind of shocked by some of the takes, as I was shocked with the postseason format, of course. But this Orlando Arcia and a media member uh, leaking what was said in the Braves clubhouse. If you, if you missed this, it was after game two in the National League Divisional Series between the Phils and the Braves. And basically, Arcea is in the clubhouse saying, attaboy, Harper." Because Harper, of course, took off. Michael Harris had the web gem play to end it. They doubled him off. A great play. Harper maybe didn't have the best base running. And I didn't really have an issue with it, with what Arceus said. boy Harper. It's not like he said anything on his family, was you know, cursing up a storm. Not that I have a problem with cursing. But you kind of get what I'm getting at. If you're going to take a dig at a player, it seems pretty harmless, right? And a media member overhears that and reports it. And it gets out. So it leaks in and everybody hears it. And Phillies fans get a hold of it. The Phillies clubhouse gets a hold of it. And now they're fired up. Now they're fueled up. And Harper goes nuclear in game three, hits a ball out of the stadium for a three-run shot, then has another home run. And as he's rounding second base, he gives a death stare to Orlando Arcia, as if, yeah, attaboy Arcia, not attaboy Harper. And on the Phillies ran with it. They win the series. And clearly last night, they wanted to be known how much that fueled them. But the Braves took the approach of that's unfair. That shouldn't have gotten out. The clubhouse, the locker room, is a sanctuary. That can't get out unless you're directly talking to a player. And from this story, I might get a few of the details, you know, not fully covered here, but from what I gathered, RC is saying this not directly to a reporter, not directly to a media member. He's just saying it. And that gets caught. And that person goes out and then reports it to the world. Here's where I kind of draw the line. You know, I understand that if you're in an interview, uh, you really want to report what is said to you. Or if you're in a pool of reporters, you're talking to a player. I've been down to the clubhouse numerous times at Kauffman Stadium. Sat there in the pool of reporters, gotten an audio, and you can report what is said because they're in front of the media. They're in front of the cameras. They know what's coming. Now, if somebody is parading around the clubhouse saying F this, F that, F that team, F that pitcher. Well, I don't think I would be the one to go and report what was said because that player is not saying it to me. He's not on record. It's just being said. What I kind of want to say, though, from the other side is I'm shocked the Braves were saying, well, that's not fair. That can't get out. Well, you said it. You, you clearly were trying to take a shot at the Phillies. It's unfortunate it got out, but stuff like that can get out. Now, Kevin Gossman, the ace of the Blue Jays, said, you know, that's unfair because you know the club is supposed to be a tight-knit community, and we can't just have people coming down, getting credentialed, and then saying what we're saying. Some stuff, I believe, can stay in the clubhouse, but in a moment like that, I just think if you say it, you kind of have to stand behind it. Hey, it got out. That's unfortunate it got out, but I said it. I did say it and take the ownership of it. And I'm sure the Braves were upset because they're going, now you just gave a team, our rival, fuel. Well, we're trying to have our own conversations. You know, we, we've we all been there. It doesn't have to be just baseball players. What if you were in the workplace and you said something bad about another company, somebody that you barely met in the office, then leaks that information, that company finds out about it. Now they don't like you. You'd be upset. You'd be like, you have no right to eavesdrop, overhear what I'm saying and run with it. At the same time, it was said. If it was made up, if it was taken out of context, different story. This is a game that's going to get very heated, very passionate. They're rivals. Stuff's going to be said. You know, I'm sure the Phillies said things about the Braves. It didn't get leaked. Okay, good for them. But they're singing Dixieland Delight and saying, you know, F the Braves and all this type of stuff. And that got out because it's recorded and that's all over the media now. I'm just saying sometimes uh, you just have to be a little bit careful. And and that's kind of been the big debate, right? Players are saying, I shouldn't have to be careful. I shouldn't have to watch out for what I say in my own clubhouse. And I get that side. I'm not a major league baseball player. If I was Orlando RCF, I'd be a little bit ticked off. I'm like, I wasn't talking to you. At the same time, I said it. I said those words. I said those remarks. I had that statement. And therefore... I know the risk that comes with it. Somebody could have snuck into the clubhouse. Well, I mean, what happens if, you know, maybe a Braves coach, I don't know, that doesn't even make sense, a bat boy or whatnot, text somebody, text somebody in the Phillies, know, and that gets around. It's possible. If you verbally say it, there is a chance. Whether you're in the clubhouse, the field, out of the bar, it can happen. That's the unfortunate reality of it. And that's kind of my takeaway. I don't agree with the slander that it is being just rain down on the media member i'm not gonna go as far to say that because i think that's a bit unfair no it's it's not like i think he was trying to ruin orlando arcia's career it gave more fire more juice to the rivalry to the postseason game and that's what a lot of times reporters and media members want to do speaking from one myself you know what's going to get the storyline what's going to get the headline? Orlando Arcia is excited to play the, the Phillies in game three or Orlando Arcia mocks Bryce Harper. You tell me that that's kind of the way that media is. I feel bad that maybe now baseball players won't be as open to the media. And I know there's media members that are upset at the guy because now they're going to feel like they can't have a relationship. You know, there's been lots of interviews that MLB network ESPN about, it. I mean, it's, it's a big time deal. I just kind of take the side of, it's unfortunate it got out, but it was set. And if you said it, you got to know that the other team can take that as fuel, as bulletin board material. We see it happen all the time in sports. You know, players will record their coach after a big game, and they'll be cursing and saying, you know, stuff like this. Oh, we can beat the, the blank out of them, all of that. It gets out, and then teams can run with that. That's just the world we live in. Social media, cameras, you know, 20, 30 years ago – That may not get out, at least as quickly. That may only come out in print. Now you hear it. You can walk out of the clubhouse 20 seconds later, tweet that out, boom. It's viral. And that's kind of my my takeaways on it. I mean, players, they should have their own sanctuary there. They should feel comfortable in their their locker room. And maybe this is bad now for the media because there's going to be that tension, certainly in Atlanta. Because Travis Darno was upset about it. Kevin Gossman, uh, Blue, not even involved with the Braves. a uh, Blue Jays pitcher, he's upset about it. And Orlando Arcia was upset about it. And he's getting chirped by Phillies fans, and he's sounding off. I mean, it was a whole big deal. But I will say, in today's world, you just kind of have to think in the back of your mind. It may get out. You know, if I go to a bar and I'm talking with a friend and somebody overhears a private conversation, they could go and run with it. And I couldn't do anything about it. It wouldn't be ethical. But they heard it, they can go tell whoever. It's just the, the day and age we live in. Social media, it, it spreads like wildfire. And now you see the Phillies moving on, and they kind of stomped on the grave of the Braves. It can happen. Bulletin board material can go a long way for a team, especially when they're rivals. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at underscore 15 That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J-15. And be sure to subscribe to this channel right after the podcast if you already have send it to somebody who has it we want to blow this thing up and we want you the listeners you the followers to do so and be a big part in that you enjoy the weekend and i will talk to you on monday kansas city